0: Right, welcome to Industry 45 Podcast Show. I'm your host, SCN. Good to see you today. You look beautiful. Beautiful, I'm telling you. Pandemic and all. Today, very special guest, all right, from Nashville, Tennessee. He has connections to Madison, Wisconsin, as do I, as do I. You might know this story. We'll get to that in the interview. Um, he's lived in Alabama. Like, who lives in Alabama. This guy does. Lives in Alabama. I'm a Tommy Shaw, you know, from Sticks. And also the 2021 national champion, Alabama Crimson Tide, of course. Beat Ohio State, 52-24. Uh, this individual helped start the rock and roll residency in Nashville, Tennessee. Was a huge success. He's played with Gene Simmons. Yeah, you know, from the band uh, The Rolling Stones. Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. It was the Beatles. No, wait. Kiss. Kiss. That's it. Kiss. Kiss. Gene Simmons is in Kiss. Right. (laughs) And uh, in our conversation, uh, I asked what one thing surprised him about Gene Simmons. And it's pretty exciting and good to hear. So uh, not only Gene Simmons, he's also played with Ace Frehley, also from the band Kiss, if you didn't know that. Current member of the band, except his name, Philip Shouse. That's right. Today we shout it out loud, baby. Industry 45 podcast show available at giantfm.com, shanecristoverdale.com, all the major streaming platforms, and is brought to you by my friends at Trombetta Construction Material, 1901 Barton Street East in Hamilton. Let's do this. It's Philip Shouse, Industry 45 podcast show.
1: He's bold, he's sexy, and he's a drummer. This is the Industry 45 Podcast Show with SCN. This is Philip South from Gene Simmons, Ace Fraley, and Accept, and you're listening to the Industry 45 Show.
0: All right, Industry 45 Podcast Show. Shane Christopher Neal, your host, uh, giantfm.com. You can check out all the podcasts on the radio show website. My website as well, brand new, shanechristopherneal.com. It is... It is fucking epic. I'm sorry. uh, It really is. You can check them out there and, of course, on all the major streaming platforms. So today, all day, all day, I've been singing Shout It Out Loud. Or is it Shouse It Out Loud? We got Philip Shouse on the phone. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, Shane. Thanks for having me on. I'm sorry. All day, I got this thing cranked up. I'm like... It's addicting. You know, you've got it at the end of your email, eh? And I'm like, wow, man, that is so cool. So it's really addicting. And, you know, we won't forget your name, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> no, it's a good it's a good slogan to have. It's a good problem to have, too. So, yeah, I love so, it.
0: So you and I got connected by uh, Susie Corey. So yep. how how, do you, how did you guys meet? Because she sent me a message saying, hey, you know, you got to talk to Philip. He's a cool dude. And I was looking at all the stuff that you've done and that you're doing. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So how did you guys actually connect?
1: This is a funny story. We were flying from uh, Quebec to Australia with Gene, uh, with Gene and, uh, and Ace actually to start that um, Australian tour with Gene, Simmons and Ace family together. So we ended up in... Toronto Airport, and it was my birthday that day. And somehow the airline got wind of my birthday. And at the gate, there's Susie with a cupcake.
0: Cupcake, Susie, for my, yep. birth-
1: for, my <laughs> for my for my for my birthday. And so, like, wow, that's how'd you guys know? That was a big surprise. And then, so it turns out, uh, one of her recording projects the producer, she was using Brit Woods. We knew Brit. So we had some mutual friends and we just kept in touch. And that was in 2017. No, sorry. Sorry. That was 18.
0: You know, Susie does a great job, right? With her, like she connects with people. She's got a great personality. She's got great She's, music, she really,
1: but she really, she really does just
0: knows how to make it happen. Um, okay. So are you from Madison, Wisconsin? Were you born there or I heard something about Madison somewhere and I got a question if so.
1: Yep, I was born in Madison, Wisconsin. I only lived there for the first five years of my life, so I might not know the answer.
0: No, it's okay because here's, but, here's a little story that connects you and I uh, about, okay. about I don't know how, maybe, I don't know, I'm going to guess seven years ago now, maybe eight years ago. I was contacted by someone uh, that I did know who had an online radio station in Madison, Wisconsin, which was Max, Max Inc. Radio. And so for a few years, okay. I was broadcasting out of Madison, Wisconsin on Max Inc. Radio. And I heard that you were either born there or had spent some time there. So there's our little connection, you know, you and I. So, uh, And Alabama, so you go to Alabama and Alabama, the home of, of Tommy Shaw from, from Styx, right? Uh, yes
1: Montgomery Alabama for yeah,
0: sure the Commodores Muscle Shoals and of course the 2021 national champions the Alabama Crimson Tide so tell me about your beginnings in Alabama and picking up the guitar and the bass and such and starting to play
1: yeah i played saxophone first i began that uh i began that in the Nebraska Nebraska was the eight year stop between Wisconsin and uh and Alabama and i got my first guitar right before we moved to Alabama and started playing taking lessons there. And that's when I got into like more guitar Well, I was, I was a really big huge Beatles fan before that moved to Alabama. It was 88, got a CD player. My brother got me some CDs and started like really getting heavily into guitar at that point. And, uh, also marching band. I played sax marching band, concert band. Um, so it was just music, music, music the time for me and anywhere I could get it too, like bands and friends and honor bands and school bands. I was just in everything that I could um, really, I could do. And, uh, you know, played around and then kept playing guitar after high school. Guitar kind of took over where saxophone left off and became like fully on guitar at that moment, but still played sax in, some, in college. Some, but wasn't really that heavily into it.
0: Well, you can be honest and tell me it was because of the girls that you went to guitar and got rid of the saxophone. So, <laughs> I'm okay with man, I
1: don't know, man. That—that's a tough call. It's two pretty sexy instruments, if you have to judge. Like, it's not like you know a clarinet. And a saxophone. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah. And, uh, back back then, it wouldn't have mattered what I played. I was not a uh, my mojo came late. So, what? Um, <laughs> a late bloomer.
0: So, so what was the like? What's the music scene like in Alabama as far as rock and roll? Like, it's just not some place I think of when I think of hey. Uh, here's some great rock music
1: from Alabama, you know? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I was there for high school and then some college and I really learned a lot about performing when I went to school at Auburn university. Well, I, I was enrolled there. I didn't really go, uh, put it that way, but did a lot of playing and a lot of different groups. And you know, it was a, Auburn's a great little college town. If the university wasn't there, the town wouldn't exist. So, it's kind of an Athens, Georgia type thing. Nice. Um, and the great music scene there at the time, this is like, you know, the mid to late nineties, a lot of house parties and a lot of places to play and a lot of bands, you know, doing it. And they're all a little bit different. And we just have these big, huge shows we throw ourselves, um, and just have a great time. And, you know, drink as many, as much keg beer as possible and hopefully I get shut down by the cops. But that's where I learned about a lot about performing. Didn't really get professional really until I moved to Nashville, which has been almost 17 years ago, which is crazy.
0: Well, that's great you're going to Nashville because that's where I was going to go now with Rock and Roll Residency. So I really didn't know much about this until I started watching some of the YouTube videos and researching it when I knew I was doing the interview. So how did this thing start? Like, did you
1: start this or were
0: you joined this or how did this kind of happen?
1: Jeremy Asbrock and I started this Uh, Jeremy's also one of the guitar players with with Gene's band and Ace's band. We've been friends for about 20 years now. And we had done so many cover projects and tribute-type shows, and we knew so many people in town. Our our, uh, talent pool and friend pool was, was really growing. And so we had the idea to do a month residency somewhere and play all of our favorite 70s rock, not really the hits, but just play whatever we wanted to play and ask whoever we wanted to ask to play with us. So it was like a core band and we'd get guest singers and guest players up with us. And one month turned into five years of uh, That's crazy. almost a weekly, sh- almost a weekly show. It was uh, on Tuesdays. And um, you know, the, the guests, the guests we ended up bringing in uh, Gene did one. We had Robin Xander and Dax from cheap trick on two occasions, Roger Glover and Don Airy from Deep purple on a couple occasions. Um, Lizzie and Joe from Hellstorm, Alice Cooper. I know I'm leaving out so many people. Kip Winger, Rachel Boland, uh, except played, um, God, I'm trying, no, I'm missing somebody. Derrickson Holmes was, was all the time there. We had such a great time. Um, and it turned into a way bigger thing that, that I had ever thought it was going to be. So yeah, it was a long running show, really successful.
0: Is it still going on now? I mean, I mean, I don't mean today no. because of COVID, but was it going on before that or no?
1: No, it it got really, it got we we all got too busy to keep it going the weekly show going, so we turned it into a uh, occasional. It became the rock and roll occasional performance <laughs> versus a residency, and we would do one, you know, one a year, two a year, um, and we actually had one book for the weekend. Everything shut down. Here in March, right? We had we had one booked, and at the zero hour, we said we can't do this, so we we called it off. Was
0: what was your first big break? Um, You said was it moving to Nashville and finding who to play with, or where was the first moment when you said, you know, I've kind of made it, if you will, like in the music business where I can do this full time and make money?
1: Uh, When I got my first gig was with David Lee Murphy, a country guy. Uh, More, he's mainly a writer now. He's had so many number ones as a writer. Incredible, but he was still doing a few shows back in uh, 2005, and uh, I got the gig with him. And it was a, uh, you know, it was like a weekend warrior type gig. But it was the first time that I'd went out and done a gig and got a check. And it was just me, and I realized, that, wow, I can just book myself and work, and don't worry about those other four guys. I can just book myself. And uh, I was a quick learner. Uh, the, you know, the for hire sideman guitar player thing, was I was kind of made for it because I loved playing other people's stuff. I loved doing multiple gigs, um, you know, multiple projects at one time. And I just, the freelance thing just was just, uh, it was great for me to do. And, and, and it paid. So it was, it was even better.
0: So where did you, I mean, you mentioned Gene Simmons with um, Rock and Roll Residency. Is that how, how you met Gene, or where did you kind of meet him and end up playing in his band?
1: That connection was through Ryan Cook, who, along with Jeremy Asbrock, is the, the, the third member of our Three Amigos type, uh, type group that we have. He's also in Gene's and Ace's band as well. But Ryan knew Gene and knew Doc uh, going back, you know, several, several years. And Gene asked Ryan to put together a band for him to do only a handful of shows that were gonna be coming up in seventeen. It was only five shows. And that's how we got the gig. Ryan Ryan knew who he was gonna ask, and he asked us and five gigs committed two years of of work. National work for Gene. It was great. And turned into the eighth gig as well.
0: So I've heard you say in interviews because I would have thought, like many others, Gene Simmons would be very hard to work with and Ace Frehley would be very easy to work with rather. And it seems like maybe it's the opposite. So tell me the difference between playing with both of those artists. Um, Cause that's kind of interesting. That's kind of interesting,
1: man. Brian uh, puts it the best way when talking about Gene and Ace, the only thing those guys have in common is that they were in the same band together. <laughs> you can't, you can't find two more opposite people. there, And I don't mean like how, and how they treat us because they're both great, but they are completely different. Um, with Gene, we were, of course, nervous. I hadn't, we hadn't really spent a lot of time with him at all. Ryan had a little bit, but none of, the other, none of, uh, none of us had. And so going into the first rehearsal, we were a bit nervous because it could have gone either way. We're like, oh, man, you know, we've heard stories. And he could not have been cooler from moment one. And we never stopped smiling those two years were just like what a dream time that was. He was absolutely incredible to us, um, treated us great, always had fun, loved that we could sing and play well, and loved that we were, you know, with you know, it, you know, guys who weren't, you know, burnouts and, you know, having conversations with him and just hanging with him all the time, which we did. Uh, was was just a dream and to have him be as nice as he was and his cool as he was was even, was just icing on the, icing on the imaginary dream cake.
0: You know, you answered Pretty my, much. you answered my next question which was going to be did you get a chance to actually hang out with him because a lot of times when you play with artists like this, right, like they kind of are in their own space and you don't really get to interact but what is something that besides that, what else surprised you about Gene Simmons playing with him or even as a person?
1: I've done a lot of, Artist gigs, right where you're backing somebody up, um, and you know you're playing support. It was the Gene Simmons band. It was, you know I played for a lot of people like that, and he was by far the biggest star i would played for by a long shot. You know I played with bigger with big people, but nobody near Gene. I've never been treated better by any of those artists than Gene. He um, um, was so easy to hang out with, and the one thing I remember about him and I'll take this away and, and try to. I try to use it in my daily life. I never heard the guy complain one time. That's important. And we were with him a lot. We were, we were with him a lot because we had no crew. It was just the five of us. So we traveled together. We rode from the airport to the gig together. You know, we would eat catering together. We were with him all the time and, you know, always hanging, out, always talking. Never heard him even come close to complaining once. He really did enjoy his life and was grateful for the work, grateful for the opportunities he had. And that was that stays with me every day. That was a really important thing to see.
0: And that is so cool because most people look at the persona of, of Gene Simmons and think money, power, doesn't care about anybody. And not only you, but from other people, I heard it's exactly the opposite—a very caring individual. And and obviously, we're playing some Kiss songs. Um, what's your favorite obscure Kiss Kiss song to play?
1: Ooh man, that's a tough one. Um, probably with I'll go I'll go into each one with Gene. It was probably ah uh, man, got love for sale. No, you know what? With Gene, it was charisma. Nice. And we played that one. That was that was one of the first ones we threw in there that were kind of obscure, and I think we played that every single show, and we played it really well. Um, with Ace, uh, we don't do that many obscure tunes with Ace. Gene was very daring, and he would try anything. Uh, it's a bit tougher with Ace, but you know what? We did the seventy-eight solo record with him one time. And uh, playing like what's on your mind and playing in need of love was a really fun one to play with him. I wish we would work some of those back in. Uh,
0: with Gene, uh, Brett Fitz was playing drums, I take it, and with Ace Matt Starr?
1: Yes, yes. With Gene, we had a few different drummers. Uh, Brent was the one that lasted the. Well, Brent, we had that for, for the longest period. Um, Slash was off doing Guns N' Roses, so. Um, we had a drummer at the time, Paul Simmons that had to, to split the gig. And so he knew Brent and Dr- Ryan knew Brent as well. So they kind of worked it out and Brent came in seamlessly. And you know, with Brent, you've got another guy who can sing. So we had five singers on stage. So vocal sounded great. And yeah. Brent's just a great guy and a, always take and have a good cup of coffee. yeah Canadian. And he's he, a Winnipeg.
0: That's right. He's from Winnipeg, and he lives in Las Vegas. Yeah. And I've met him a number of times. And yep. I remember years ago in Hamilton, uh, not far from me, he was playing with um, Conoline Crush, right? That was his band or a band that he played in. Yeah. And they were yeah. actually opening for Alice Cooper. Of course, he also played with Alice Cooper, not that show, but in the past. And yeah. Another guy, like, grounded, super nice, took us for a tour backstage, like, just the coolest guy, and uh, Matt Starr seems the same way, and I'm asking these questions because maybe Susie told you, but I'm a drummer too. So drumming is my passion, right? <laughs> so, yeah. And and Matt Starr is the guy that I've been chatting with like on, on Facebook. I want to get an interview with him because he's very inspirational. He does a lot of great videos you know, on Facebook and whatnot and about the music sure, business. Sure. So really cool guy. H- how about with Ace? Is there anything that surprised you about playing with Ace, um, good or bad, I guess?
1: One uh, was just how loud he plays. He is on absolute... Sun Volume. I don't get near the stage without my earplugs in. Um, and uh, and you know with Ace, you, of course you hear things all the time about his playing and people are like, oh, it sounds like this. I was just surprised at standing in front of his amps. You know when at those moments he'll you know the we'll play some classic Kiss stuff and it's hair on the arm like it's 1976 right now. I mean it really he has these moments where it's just like, Oh yeah. they that that's why he's israeli. And it sounds just like it and it's always cool. I really enjoyed it. The first time we played with him was a big deal because when you see your favorite band play in the audience, you're hearing them play but it's going through a microphone, through a bunch of wires, through a you know, through a ton of EQ to a PA, right? But when you're standing in front of the speaker cabinet and you're hearing that guy play through, you know, plug directly into an amp, out of the speakers, and it's just that—it was just a mind-blowing experience. Like this sounds just like Ace Fraley. It really is all in his hands. It's all in his attack. Um, you know, he's nobody. Nobody plays like that. Nobody nope. plays like that guy. And that's Nobody great. sounds like that. It's whatever he has, you know.
0: Did you watch the New Year's Eve? uh show by the way the one that
1: kissed it man i didn't see i didn't see the whole thing i saw clips of it i I haven't seen the whole thing it's kind of crazy
0: because you had to buy it i get it but then like i don't know 10 minutes into the show there's already clips on youtube of each song as they go by so I was like whatever i'm kind of watching it in pieces
1: yeah i don't think you can stop that these days i think it's just they're gonna pirate it and it's just gonna be out there so like okay So let's uh, move away
0: from Ace and Gene and the whole Kiss thing and talk about Accept. Now, you play in the band now, Uh, I mean, as much as you can, (laughs) but uh, you're in Accept these days, yeah?
1: Yeah, I joined uh, as a full-on member in 2019. I've done a couple things with them um, as a fill-in and really enjoyed the music and really enjoyed the people. And at the end of one of the tours of my last fill-in tour, I was really kind of sad because I was going to miss everybody so much. And the band crew is all great people, are all great people. And great uh, organization, so well run. It's just, it's one of those things, like, it's just like a a very, very smoothly run. So after that tour was over, uh, Wolf Hoffman called me up and we went to have lunch at this Thai place we'd always go to. And he was like, do you want to join, like, full time? I uh, said, so I hope you were going to ask me to the dance. Yeah. So I'll, I'll join. That's how it happened. It was kind of like they just, we had really, we had a lot of fun, and Wolf loved that I could do all the choreography. You know, that was a big part of it, too. And uh, yeah, uh, so that record, actually, that record's coming out in a couple of weeks. Oh, nice. Uh, January 20, 29th, and the brand new accept album, Too Mean to Die, will be out. So we're real proud of it. It's uh, getting good reviews as far as the folks who have heard it. So hope the fans
0: love it too. So as we're into 2021 and we still don't have a fucking clue what's going to happen with live music. um, How do you, how do you as a, an artist, uh, a performer, you know, keep positive right now. And it's a really challenging time. What kind of advice do you give to people that are kind of, you know, sitting at home thinking, man, I can't go out and tour. Can't make that kind of money. What, you know, it's it, it, it's really playing on so many people's mind these days because it's, it's it's going on like it's been over a year now almost.
1: Yeah, uh, find something else, Don. Find something else to do. Uh, now I don't mean drop music and start a new career or path in life or, or do that. Um, what I've been doing this whole time is working on my clothing line. I have a dog themed yeah, clothing I saw that. line that's cool. Yeah, so I've been putting all my time and energy this year into revamping the website entirely and uh, putting on um, a lot of new products. I've got my own merch on the website now. I've got a dog yoga themed thing in there now. So I've been spending a lot of time on that. And I was very thankful that I'd already had that going for several years where I wasn't just kind of left in March or April going, well, what the hell am I going to do now? I kind of, once I realized that it was, you know, going to be kind of a long haul thing, I said, okay, well, now it's time to do this. I started my own podcast talk show called Shouse Rules. So I've just been spending a lot of time doing that and doing some music things here and there, doing some Beatles live streams with my friend Monica, doing some uh, acoustic shows here and there with some people, but you know, uh, just trying to use my time as wisely as I can.
0: Well, and it's funny because I thought to myself, um, like, I have a, a, a job, like, in the we've been working through all of this because it it's in essential services and I do radio almost full time, almost daily. I I host a classic rock show, a country show, the podcast show. I have a TV show, which is uh, like a music magazine show, but this has really given me an opportunity to talk to some pretty big rock stars, like through the past year, talking to people in Tesla and Megadeth and, you know, all these bands that probably wouldn't, I would, they would have Spoke to me not because of any other reason that they were busy touring or making a record, but now that right. they're home and they have the time, they're more you know. Hey, they'll reach out and, and have a conversation. So it, you know, I'm trying to use it as a positive in that light. So same idea, we're all in this together. We got to make it work. Uh, final question for you: Yeah, a dream gig for you. Listen, when you play with Gene Simmons and Ace Freely and Accept, and you've done so many great things, like what would beyond that? What's a dream gig for you? Who would who would it be? Paul McCartney. Oh, that—that's easy. I can hook you up, Paul. <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be just the, the dream of dream of dreams. I'm I'm just the, the mega Beatles fan. You know, every every you know, down in my DNA, down in my cells. I uh, just love them so much. I'd be Paul, absolutely, hundred percent.
0: Beautiful. And uh, Philip Schaus here. There you go. I got a live audience clapping, Yay! live audience clap, because Yay! you're not going to get one for a while. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just, keep play, just keep playing that, please. Over and
0: over. Yeah. You're a good yeah. man. I appreciate it. You know, when, when Susie messaged me and I thought, yeah, this is awesome, and I started looking into your bio and going through some of your stuff. I watched some of the interviews that you were doing, and uh, I thought, yeah, this is going to be a good time having a conversation about rock and roll and Gene and Ace and all these things. You've done so many great things, and you seem like a cool-ass person, and that's number
1: one, man, so... Well, when this is all done, we should uh, hopefully I'll be back up there. Are you, in, uh, are you in Toronto as well?
0: I am just south of Toronto, not that far. Well, maybe about an hour south of Toronto.
1: Okay, well, cool. Once, is, once all the borders open up again, hopefully we can be there. I know Except when, the, when, the, when things are back to touring, I know Except's going to be hitting it really hard. So maybe, I can, maybe we'll, uh, we'll come see you in the Great White North.
0: We'll have a shot of whiskey. The Industry 45 Show.